This is The Mitch Gray Show, where we are bringing the art of humanity back to leadership. Subscribe to The Mitch Gray Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Mitch Gray Media, where you'll find each of our episodes and other resources that will equip, inspire, and empower you to lead well. And now, The Mitch Gray Show. What is up, brothers and sisters? Welcome to The Mitch Gray Show. We have another great guest on today. Someone who over the last year um, has become a very dear friend of mine. He's actually on my advanced reader team for my upcoming book, How to Hire and Keep Great People. So he knows me intimately. He has read my book before the rest of the world. So brothers and sisters, I want you to meet my friend, Greg Ward. Greg, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and as everyone can tell by your accent, um, you you could have an accent and live in America, but you don't. You have an accent and don't live in America. <laughs> yeah, I'm in, I'm in the, um, how should we put it, the, the sunny UK, should we call it for now. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I, the last year I've met so many amazing people around the world. You're one of those people, and um, it's been such a, such a fun time, so... Uh, Greg, you're a life and business coach, and I know that you're in the middle of building a really strong brand in the coaching industry, and it's a, a little bit different. So on your LinkedIn, if people go to your LinkedIn, we'll put that uh, in the show notes where they can find you there. Your tagline is disrupting the coaching industry, and I'm a sucker for great <laughs> taglines. But I want to ask that as our big question to get started. What does disruption in the coaching industry look like? Well, I, I, I went for the, the, the disruption part because I, in, in my business life, I'm, I was employed very critical thinking, um, thinking slightly differently, coming up with different solutions to, to the same problems. Um, going through change management and things. So when I stepped into coaching, there was a lot of the coaching industry that I really don't like. Mm. Um, and I know that it's quite controversial, but it was something that I wanted to to change. Yeah. Um, the, the industry itself is a fantastic industry. I'm not knocking anyone, but I see lots of... Um, coaches trying to make people feel bad about their lives but don't worry i can i can solve those problems for you right. but i need i need you to understand how bad your life is first um right. and then there's there's things like and, and i won't mention big names but you know people go along to seminars they buy books mm-hmm. they they do this that and the other but never actually get to the end of what they need to be getting to the end to they they yes. go along they get a boost life's quite good and then they fall off so they go back again get that boost again where actually as a coach what i want to do is is tell people actually you're doing really really well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're you know where you are in life is absolutely fantastic yes there are all, always more levels to go to because mm-hmm. i experience even now I'm realizing that the things that I thought were still limiting me. So I know there's more levels and and that's where I want to take people is to those higher levels. Um, And and I want people to be able to self coach themselves as Uh, well. That's very important to me. I don't want, you know, my ultimate goal is to find a client that spends an hour 
two hours with me and says, thank you. I don't need to speak to you again for another, right. another year, another two years. Right. You know, as opposed to a lot of coaches will sell, you know, six months, 12 months, two years. I've, I've heard of clients working with a coach for three to five years. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think, well, if it's going to take you three to five years to get this person into the place that they need to get, you're not doing your job particularly well. Mm. You're just drip feeding them the things that they need. Where I, I like to think that my coaching is more impactful. Mm-hmm. So we take we take those bigger steps. Yeah, there's a difference in a coach or a counselor or a therapist or anything becoming a crutch where where the client or the patient thinks I have to have this to continually live versus the idea that you're talking about. And that is the power of self-sustainability, self-discovery. And there can be situations where someone works with, you know, a coach, counselor, therapist, program, whatever, for multiple years because that program is so powerful, it's continually pushing growth. That's a very different situation than, than like yeah. you said, the story that we often see where it does become a crutch and yeah. it can easily kind of become a money siphon, right? Like, like it's like I tell leaders all the time, the, the, the priority and mission of a leader, number one should be to work yourself out of a job. Yeah. You should it, be it, so good at impacting people that you work yourself out of a job. And that's exactly what you're talking about. That as a coach, that should be priority number one. Yeah. When, when I worked in management as a leader, I used to say to people, if I've got nothing, my ultimate goal is to not have anything to do. Yes. Yes. If I've got nothing to do, it means everything is working well. Yes. And people used to think I was crazy. They used to go, what do you mean you don't want any work? You're meant to be working. I said, no, my job is to make sure that Mm -hmm. everything is is perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, and and, and Gary Vaynerchuk says, um, I've heard him use a phrase which I I love. And it's it's managing the micro and the macro. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what he's saying that, you know, as a leader, as... um, you know, a founder of a company, what you want to do is be able to work on those small parts. You shouldn't have to focus on the whole thing because it should be working. Yes. And you just step in to the small parts where, as, the, where the problems as are. As needed, as needed. Yeah. 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 One of my sticks when I was managing um, years ago was when I go on vacation or have a day off, I want my people to perform better than when I'm there. And that was kind of a measuring stick that I always use. So so going back to disruption, I, I have two questions from from both perspectives, from the coach perspective and from the client perspective. You're talking about sustainability. You're talking about in an ideal world, if someone spent an hour or two with you, maybe a few sessions, that it would be like, hey, we've, we have what we need. That's very idealistic, right? Um, yeah. But how does how does a coach get to the mindset that says my mission is to provide enough nurturing and enough support that this person begins to function on their own? How does one get to that point? And then I want to come back with the back end question of how does how does a client get to that point? Because it's a two party system, right? It's the coach or the guide having that mindset but really maybe the most important piece is is the client or the patient having 
the mindset to also function that way? Yeah, so to take your first question, the, the mindset of the coach, I would ask the coach, how much do you want your client to succeed? Mm. Genuinely, how much do you want them to see them fly? You know, have you, do you hold a fear that they're going to suddenly <laughs> not be your client anymore? Right, right. You know, and then these, these are very, very hard questions that unless you are so deep down into yourself you would glaze over and you'd say oh of course i want my clients to succeed if, if they succeed then i know i've succeeded mm-hmm. but then that's the question as well are you scared that they're no longer going to be clients that they're no longer going to need you which i think from a coach's point of view that's a very very difficult question right right you know when coaches turn around and say, oh, yeah, I've got three clients or I've got five clients over the last 12 months. And that's my 12 months. Mm. And I think, well, what what are you doing for these three or five? Are you are you not letting them go? Right. Um, I use I use certain techniques that really get down to the the core issues. Mm hmm. Um, I've studied, um, I'm a NLP practitioner and I use some of those tools and we get right down to actually, what is your problem? What is your issue? What is holding you back? Because I find that you can have six issues, but they'll all boil down to To one, one. Yes. Yes. So, so that. You know that is my mindset let's get right down to the bottom let's find that one element that will change those six mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. i think some coaches will try and address those six those six issues right. separately right without actually seeing the link to to what maybe one issue maybe two issues yeah i think what people miss often is those six issues we're talking about are actually the manifestation of the one underlying problem that no one is addressing. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you yeah. know, it's like, well, I'm, I'm not able to find success in my career. Okay, that's a manifestation of something that might have to do with you. It might have to do with, you know, uncontrollable circumstances, but not finding success in your career is most likely not the issue. Yeah. That's just a manifestation of what's happening internally, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, whatever. And so, yeah, yeah I think you're right. I, and, and also, I think, you know, you alluded to techniques and trainings. And I, I know you and I were a few of the people that over the last year kind of kind of scoffed at LinkedIn and how many life coaches suddenly arrived at the table. Right. And yeah. While I admire people trying to pivot and trying to make a change and, and most likely just trying to create another revenue stream, there there is a hindrance there. And the hindrance there is there's a difference in being a good conversationalist and giving support to someone versus being that guide and that facilitator where you can really go in and do the hard work. Those are two very different things. And unfortunately, the the, the general term life coach those things get gathered up under that one term and it's it's a very different um aspect and there are techniques and there are 
things that someone has to learn, some skills to really work through that with someone. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, the, the term life coach is, is banded about a lot. Yes, yes. And I think most, not most, be careful. Try not to be too controversial. <laughs> many, show me, many. Many, <laughs> many, that's a nice word. Many life coaches are actually probably better off rebranding as a mentor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that is what they do very well. I, I'm not a particularly great mentor. But I think a lot of people who brand themselves as a life coach are actually better mentors than mm-hmm. me. Yeah, or or just simple support systems, and and that's that's valuable. You know, it's it's valuable to if you're going through something in life, it's valuable to have someone just to talk to, and and they don't have to be a coach. It can just be a conversation of of support and affirmation. Um, but that but that in itself is not coaching and guiding and counseling someone that's just being support and it's incredibly valuable we all need that that, so that's how i started was was through supporting people right um and and talking things through and then as i developed it became more obvious to me that i was lacking some skills that Mm -hmm. i could then go deeper Mm -hmm. and and those the skills that i went out and i got right um but it is it it's it's really really interesting the, the the live coaching market and you're right it's about it's not the client's mindset so much it's also the coach's mindset mm-hmm. yeah you know that that's very important so let's go back to the client mindset let's let's say you know we've talked about what your mindset is a co is as a coach we've talked about what maybe the idealistic mindset would be for for all coaches and, and people that fall into that category of work. But but let's go to to the client. Let's go to the person that is seeking guidance, they're seeking coaching, they're they're you know, they they've had they've either they've either faced a barrier in life or they know they need to get to another level. What would you let's just let's just play around for a second. Let's say you're doing a discovery call with a you know, client A what are some things you would give them specifically to prepare them for the ideal uh, success that you would want for them? What are some tips that, you know, maybe three or four things that would be like, hey, here's what you need to do to prepare yourself? Yeah. So so what I do initially is to is to listen to their issues. Mm-hmm. Um and then I, I will link down to what it is. And then the conversation goes around to, well, is, is, is this, does this also happen in life? And what are your views on this? Right. And, and quite often I will get clients to prioritize. Mm. So rather than working on those six issues, let's, let's make a priority. Let's see how many we can link a, a level just underneath the surface. And then work on just that bit under the surface. Right. And then let's go a little bit further and a little bit further. But for me, it, it's it's language. Mm-hmm. It's it's using negative words. Uh, I you know I put a post up on LinkedIn about the difference between saying it's not. I can't remember now about using the word impossible. Mm-hmm. Saying I don't think it's impossible, but the fact that you're using the word. It's, impossible. It still shows that you think it is. 
<laughs> yeah, right. it, it's in your mind. Right, right. You know, and, and when people talk about affirmations and they say, I, I, I tell myself I am good enough. Mm. Again, that's got negative connotations yes. because you're actually saying to yourself, I'm not good enough, but I'm telling myself I am. Right. Right. Where as a positive affirmation, it needs to not say I am good enough. Right. You need to say I am strong. Yeah. I am a positive word. So I use a lot on, on wording with people as well. It's almost like we leave ourselves in escape, right? I just want to touch on that for a second. It, it's almost like we oftentimes function out of such subliminal fear that it's like, well, if I say I'm strong, but then I have a moment that I'm not, I have to leave myself an escape route, right? Yeah. yeah. So saying I'm good enough, actually, it, it, it's, it's, it's actually a mindset of what, because of my religious background, it's a mindset of self-condemnation. I'm good enough. Well, what is that related to? What are you measuring that against? Why does it yeah. have to come from a standpoint of I'm kind of good? Rather than, like you said, I'm I'm strong. I'm here. I'm present. Period. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Yes, I love that. You, yeah. Like you say, as soon as you give yourself a measurement, <laughs> right? What, what is good? Yes. What What is good enough? Yes. As soon as you give yourself that measurement, then that becomes limiting. Right. Because you're of, you're above or below that limit line. Right. Right. So so to say I'm good enough to me is still a negative. Replace mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I am, I am, and then a very positive word. Yes, yes. Um, one, uh, an affirmation that I carry with myself that, that throughout my career as I stepped up the ladder and faced uh, adversity and toxicity and my voice wasn't being listened to because I was the new guy and I'd got different ideas. The affirmation I used was I, I have earned the right to be mm -hmm. sat at this table Mm. and you know it wasn't i am good enough to be sat at this table right because again that's measuring myself against the people in the room it was i have earned the right to be sat at this table i have earned the right for my voice and my opinions to be heard i'm not saying validated i'm not saying yes yes you know that i'm not expecting everyone to listen to me because I'm a genius or I know better, but I have the right for my voice to be heard. Mm. Mm. What I want to go there for a second, because you're, you're bringing up a lot about affirmative statements about, you know, positive internal conversation. And if, if anyone listening to this, this is a uh, human, which everyone listening to this is human. <laughs> We all have those conversations, those, those internal conversations, right? Um, one, one of my favorite quotes is, is by a great musician and songwriter, John Mayer. And, and in one of his songs, he says, I am the architect of things that haven't happened yet. And that's one of my favorite sayings because it's true. It's, it's like when we talk about failure and success, we talk ourselves into failure and we all do it. And we do it faster than we talk ourselves into success. So since we've laid the groundwork that everyone struggles with that, whether they, whether they accept yeah. it or not, everyone does. 
What are a few things that, you know, you've talked about these affirmative statements and you've given us one great one, and that is reshaping those affirmative statements to be more blatant and to be a bit more courageous. Um, if someone's finding themselves constantly dealing with that internal conversation of negativity, what's some work that they can do, um, you know, on their own to really help begin shifting that? Yeah, I, I get people to look at the the positives. Um, and it's reframing mm. what is going on in their life. So I'm not asking people to to go and look for positives. Right. I'm asking people to say what has happened? What is the positive of that? Mm. So if someone has um, Gone, gone for a job interview and they they come to me and say i've had this job interview i really wanted it but i didn't get it what have i done wrong mm. so my frame is what have you done right to get that interview what have you done right to get to get that far yes we can have a look at what in the interview went wrong and what you've learned from it because this is the exact situation that I went through when I was looking for work, it gets demoralizing. I get yes. that. Yes. But you know what? I got to the point going, my, my resume is good enough to be getting me those job interviews. So I was confident in my resume. Mm. The interviews, I had some bad interviews. I had some good interviews. <laughs> But it was a case of saying, right, okay, so what are the good points? What are the questions that I answered well? Right. And the, 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 the questions I answered well, what can I build on? Mm. Let's not worry so much about the bad answers. Let's not worry so much about the ones you struggled with. Sell yourself on the ones that you excel at. Yes. You know, play to your strengths. Don't worry too much about your weaknesses because we all have weaknesses. Right. Make your strengths stronger. Mm. So I, I ask clients to say, okay, have a look at what has gone on, what you has got you down, what has dropped your, your mood, but then try and find those positives of that mood. Right. And say, well, actually, I, I have got this far so far. And this is what I was referring back to when I say co some coaches, they like to tell you your life is so bad, right. but I can pick you up no. because they'll go, oh, you've, you've had a bad interview. Okay, let's dissect why it's so bad. Mm -hmm. Let's have a look at everything that went wrong. And, and all that does is knock someone's self-esteem right down to a yes. low level because they're focused yes. on the negative. Yes. So when I work with clients, what I will give them to do is say, okay, go out through your day, through your week, tell me, you know, write down the things that have gone wrong and then reframe them. Mm. What is the good, what is the positive of that bad situation? And that is when we start to work on the, on the positive mindset, the positivity in life. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's wonderful. 
Do you, uh, this is kind of an obvious question, but I want to, talking about affirming, I want to affirm this idea because this is a practice that I think a lot of people would like to do and, and don't, and that's the practice of journaling. It's amazing. Uh, it's amazing for how, how many people it takes actual courage to sit down with a blank sheet of paper. And, and the reason I bring that up is my guess would be, you know, if you were working with a client, that, that would be one of the things that you would have them do is, is literally journal those thoughts. I was talking to someone the other day and we were talking about uh, mental health and depression. And, you know, I said, one thing that's always helped me as someone that battles with depression is making note on both the good days and the days that it's a struggle and kind of connecting the dots. And it is a little bit of this ideology that you're teaching here is that, that reframing of what's happening. And sometimes it's just emotional and, and inner conversation. And sometimes that's actually circumstantial. It's like, well, I notice when I do these things outside, I feel better. Okay, well, do more of that. <laughs> but if you don't journal those things and sit down with that blank sheet of paper, it's really hard to kind of navigate what that looks like yeah yeah uh, journaling is so important the, the the one thing that stopped me for so long is i believe that journaling had to have a format mm -hmm. because you right. you can buy journals you can buy you know daily journals and they yes. have a format set out your quote for the day your five positive thoughts your five mm -hmm. negative thoughts and that's what held me back for a long time because it was this structure that didn't fit into what I needed it to be. And you're right, it is a blank piece of paper. <laughs> yes. You write down anything that's in your head. Yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes, like you're saying, you don't link things, but there are some days you have bad days and mm. they're linked to situations, they're linked to people. Yes linked to conversations about particular topics yes yes and it might not trigger you at the time right but it might day after and having that in a journal is important because you can go back and and review that and that that is that's critically important yeah yeah and see those patterns and and you know and then you can work on toxicity you can work on toxic situations um i coach someone um a while back that was really dealing with toxicity mm -hmm. and and everyone had told them just drop that toxic per person in your life mm. and they would say i can't it's family mm. what do i do you know and my answer was well you limit your exposure to that person you limit the particular subject matters that's causing that toxicity right be aware of what's causing it and limit it. If it's a particular conversation about a particular subject, be aware of that and be able to step back and say, I'm, yes. I'm sorry, I, I really, I, I'll talk about this for three minutes. Right. And then I don't want to talk about it be, no. because there's something called, um, it's, it's a three, it's a three rule. Mm -hmm. Would you spend time with that person for three days, three hours or three minutes? Right if you can't remove yourself from that toxic situation, mm. Mm. you know, and say, you know, this, this conversation causes me anxiety. This conversation I believe is a toxic, is toxic for me and my health. 
I will limit it to three minutes. Right. Right. So you're not ignoring that person. You're not ignoring that subject matter. But you're protecting your yourself. The, the key there that you mentioned was awareness, specifically self-awareness. And that's a constant work, right? Is, is understanding your limitations, understanding your strengths and being present with all of them. And, and, and that's, it's not easy work, but that's incredibly valuable work to be self-aware enough to know I can handle this. I can't handle that. Okay. <laughs> then that's how it's going to be. And, and, you know, talk going back to coaching, th that to me is the ultimate value of having a coach or, you know, again, a counselor or whatever is having that, uh, not only having a listening ear, but having someone who can actually walk alongside you to navigate those very difficult, you know, inward and outward circumstances. Yeah, I, I, Journaling is is a good route to self awareness. Yeah, right. Uh, along with being able to move things out of your mind and come back to deal mm -hmm. with them later. Mm -hmm. I I journal regularly. It's a mess. I hate for anyone else to read them <laughs> because they are thoughts. They are. Right. There's quotes in there. There's thoughts. There's things that not a to do list as such, but more of a mental to do list. Yes. Yes. You know, and, and, and I look back and what's really important, I think, with journaling is that I can then look back and see how far I've come. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when we feel like we're standing still, we're not. We can go back a month or we can go back three months. We can go back six months and go, yeah. wow, was I really back there then? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And celebrate that. That that that's. That's one thing that we don't do enough of is we don't celebrate growth and success and maturity the, the really the way we should. And, and I'm speaking, I'm the world's worst at celebrating. <laughs> I just, yeah. you know, you have so many things you want to accomplish and you just run to the next one. It's like, no, you, you have to stop yeah. and celebrate and give that moment the honor that it deserves. Yeah, the, I'm, I'm the same, exactly the same. It's that 2021 became my year mm. of celebration. Yes, yeah. I will celebrate anything and everything <laughs> this year because I need to. It is so important. Yes, it is so important. Um, I I can tell you of a celebration I had, and I was over the moon, and it was great. I earned forty three cents off writing articles. That's that's amazing. I'm not going to be a millionaire by doing that, but. It was, Maybe. and I don't want to say it was validation because it, the, the article writing is part of the self, my self growth as well. Right. right. But right. it was like, yes, I've, I've actually earned some money <laughs> as a writer. Yes. Yep. But, but those are my level of celebrations this year. Yeah. And we should all celebrate it a little bit more. Yes. But that's a great celebration because what you know what the listeners need to hear is if they're if they're not writers, um, you know, make making making forty three cents on articles is a major deal because there are writers that go, you know, that write for years and years and and don't make a dime at, at all. Yeah. Period. 
And, um, I, you know, I tell from my music background, I tell people that all the time. I'm like, I've put out multiple albums. I've published multiple books. I've been in multiple large publications and I've maybe made a thousand dollars from all of that stuff in 10, 15 years, <laughs> maybe. I mean, it's just, and so that is yeah. a huge celebration, you know, it is a huge, yeah. because it takes that process, you know, people, People talk on social media, people see all these stories of instant success, but really what they don't understand is there is no instant success. Right. It right. starts with making 43 cents on articles and celebrating that, and then it goes into something else. And that's just how, yeah. that's how it works. Yeah, the, the important thing, you know, to me is the question, if I wasn't getting paid that, that mm -hmm. huge sum of money, mm -hmm. would, I, would I be doing it anyway? Right. And the answer is yes, I would be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what matters. And that's what matters. Yeah. Yeah. So that 43 cents is a celebration of because it's a return on something that I would be doing right. anyway. Right. right. You know, it's an added bonus. Yeah. So it's not it's not a validation. I haven't set out to earn money through writing. So it's not it's not a validation. It's not saying, oh, I'm actually getting something back from what i set out to do right i set out to write articles as part of my self-growth journey so the fact that i got a little bit yeah. is an added bonus yes 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 nothing that this is often missed the the question would you do that anyway mm. yeah that's a great question so I want to back up a little bit. Um, everyone arrives at where they are going through, you know, you, you took different paths and different seasons and different experiences. So not necessarily asking what those experiences were, but more the question of you've talked about wanting to be the disruptor of the coaching industry and wanting to do it a little bit different than most. But what led you to the coaching industry? What brought you to the thought that I want to help people at this deeper level? It was it was personal experience, mm -hmm. and that's all it was. And without without going too much into my background, I had a perfectly happy childhood. I found a job very early on. I, I've worked all my life and then there I knew that there was always something more yeah and, and this is where the self-growth journey I, I I reached a point in my life and I had to make this decision mm. do I settle and accept for what I've got or do I go on that quest to grow yeah and and that that's what I went on I went to grow um, and and that is what I want for clients mm. that is what I want for people that I can help is to reach their maximum potential yes yes now I talk about not being limited so I don't believe I really really truly hand on heart don't believe that there is a maximum potential mm. Mm. I don't think any of us would live long enough to reach the heights that we could. Right, right. 
Hmm. And, and that is kind of my my philosophy. Let's just get as high as we can. Let's just get as as big a bigger person as we can. Yes. And I don't mean that from an egotistical point of view, but when you know you've probably experienced yourself, Mitch, that when you grow, you you almost physically feel yes. it. Yes. Yes. You know, and it's that it's that feeling that you become. I don't I don't know how to explain it. I've I've seen it in people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and you know when when people talk about imposing figures, people walk into a room and they own that room. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they go in loud. They walk into the room, but there's something about them that they are almost a larger than life figure. There's right. You know, you can almost see that, see the personality pouring out of them. Right. There's, there's something about these people that are so magnetic that I believe that that is actually within all of us. Yes. Yes. You know, when you can feel, you can almost physically feel that, that, that growth within you, mm-hmm. your posture changes. Mm-hmm. You suddenly, you look more confident because you feel more confident. And that, that is what I want to bring to people. I want them to to realize that where they are is nowhere near where they could be. Right, right. Yeah, and that change happens from the inside out, right? It happens from doing that internal work. And, yeah. And, and then it manifests itself to, you know, it's like when you talk about self-esteem, you can... You can meet someone that has really low self-esteem and their their posture is hunched over. They when they get in a room full of, you know, crowded people, it's you know, you can just see it physically versus when they go through that transition of self-belief, of change, of positivity. It You're right. It it manifested self physically 100 percent. Yeah, it's it's the smile and the handshake are different. Yes. Yes. The way they greet people is different. Yeah. There, there is a physical, there is a physical change there. That's uh, that's powerful, really, really powerful. I'm, I'm glad we went there because, you know, over the last year, uh, you know, across the world with with the pandemic, and I've stated this quite a bit recently, but depression rates, mental health rates, suicide ideation, all of that has just skyrocketed, and and a demographic that it's really skyrocketed in the greatest are our teenagers, young people, college age kids. And you think about with the conversation that we're having, you think about the damage that that could potentially be doing on this younger generation. If they don't use these tools that we've talked about, whether it's just simply journaling on their own or finding a support group or, you know, working with a coach or a guide or, or a therapist, if they don't reach out and find that support and that that help, this is something that an 18, 19, 20 year old could be dealing with for the rest of their life. And yeah. and, and and that that has an impact on the world as a whole. And I think people don't take that into consideration enough. No, it the the you know, it's the old saying the children are the future. Yeah. And yeah. if if we can't learn from our lives and pass that on 
then what's going to happen is is that groundhog effect, isn't it? That yes. Yes. Suddenly, that you know, the twenty-year-olds now are going to be hitting forty, and then mm -hmm. discovering what mm -hmm. we're discovering in our forties. Right. And then the next generation of twenty-year-olds will come through. Yeah. And it is it, it's so important, especially the world now. Uh, when I grew up, the world was a lot simpler, and I think yes. this is this yes. is part of why I got to where I was. Um, whether you have any younger listeners, but imagine a world without a mobile phone. Mm -hmm. Internet was very basic. You know, you went to school, you you worked roughly in the area that you you lived in, you grew mm -hmm. up in. You generally bought a house in that area. You generally got married in that from someone from that area. Right. You know, it was all very localized. Yeah. Uh, and the world today is so expansive. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's it's an amazing place. You know, we're having this conversation from different countries. Right. Right. I work with clients from all over the world. Yeah. For me, I'm still fascinated by it. I'm still fascinated by the the whole opportunity that's available. Mm -hmm. How powerful your your mobile phone is. Mm -hmm. But I can also see that for someone coming up at seventeen, eighteen, it's such a big world very overwhelming yeah very yeah it's very overwhelming there are so many limitless possibilities of what you can do how do you discover that one thing that you want to do it's almost like if someone has their favorite flavor of ice cream and they love that flavor of ice cream. But then all of a sudden, this new ice cream buffet opens with a hundred different flavors. And the first trip or two to the new ice cream place, you're like, oh, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try 50 today. But then pretty soon, you all you know is to go back to your one favorite flavor of ice cream. And and that's kind of you know a, a goofy sim symbolic story of the world is, yeah, when you and I grew up, it was, you know, we, we didn't, when I was in high school, we didn't have computers. We didn't have the internet. Like, like we still took typing in class in school, like with typewriters, <laughs> it was, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, really the last 15, 20 years, I mean, I remember when text messaging first came out and went, you know, the other night, my daughter was asking me, one of my daughters was asking me about pagers. She's like, dad, I don't understand how a pager worked. So I was explaining it to her. And what was interesting is as I was explaining it to her, measuring it against the technology now, it was a really terrible idea. <laughs> but looking at the technology then, it was cutting edge. And that's kind of the observation she made. She's all, well, I guess I could see that if you weren't able to text message and if still most people didn't have cell phones. And at first she was like, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard of in my life. And I'm like, well, but where it was then. And so, you know, the whole point of that is, is I've seen that in my children and in younger, other young people, when there is this huge vantage point that the world in a way is a much more accessible place. But that's also kind of a disadvantage because it, these kids are staring at a hundred different flavors of ice cream and they become paralyzed. They don't want to make a yeah. decision. And, 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 and that's an easy place to fall into. And, and it's, a, it's an unfortunate and scary place to fall into, really. It is. It is. It, it's, 
you know, I, I can see, like I said, I can see it from my point of view, mm-hmm. but I can also see it from their point of view. And, and you know, what the, the skills that we teach as coaches needs to be, it needs to be put there. Yes. Because as a coach, I teach people to know themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's about you. Mm-hmm what what do you believe in what are your values what where do you think you can grow where do you think you can go and then we can match up your possibilities to right. to align with who you are and this is the great opportunity now is the fact that younger adults as they're coming into the workplace have more opportunity to align a job or a situation yes. with who they are. Yes. You know, I didn't. Right. Right. You know, I followed the route of going down into engineering because my dad was an engineer. Mm. Mm. You know, and it, it served me well. I, I'm not going to complain. It, it, it served me well, but that was my limit. Right. right. So your dad's an engineer, so you'll become an engineer. Yeah. Where if I would have known more about who I was, if I had met a coach and explored exactly who I was, then I might have seen the world slightly differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I might have gone into a role that is more to do with helping people than than making uh machine parts <laughs> which is a very different world right <laughs> which is a very very different world yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But, but we have the tools the awareness the understanding the we have the materials on the internet to to help us mm-hmm. find out who we are and align mm-hmm. and yes that does change over time we we want different things we have different aspirations but when you have that self-awareness quite early on, then you easily adapt mm. to your changing desires, your changing mm. goals, your changing dreams. But it, it starts with self and it starts with that self-awareness yeah. of who you are and accepting that you're going to change over time. Right, right. And, and that is that is the key element that I think that we need to get into into the into the youth into the youngsters that you know try and find out who you are now because Mm. that will change yes yes but don't try and seek who you are while you're changing (laughs) because you'll never catch yourself right yeah you just run in circles with yourself you just run in circles yeah that's great um greg this has been wonderful i think we've i think we've given uh the people quite a bit to consider so thanks for coming on the show uh always like to leave the people with one last thought so what's what's up what's a message you want to leave with the listeners today so i think the what the one thought i want to leave is is a quote um i don't know who it's attributed to it's something that i refer back to many times and it is there is a law in nature that states if something isn't growing, it's dying. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very powerful quote. No one is ever, nothing is ever standing still. Right. right. 
I like it. I like it. Thank you. Um, friends, you can visit Greg on his website, GregoryWardInternational.com. If I can spit that out, we'll also, we'll also put it in the show notes and we'll put, we'll put Greg's LinkedIn and, and other social media um, contacts there as well. Greg, are you booking clients currently? Yes, I am. Yet yeah. I've okay. got, um, yeah. Great. So reach out to Greg. We'll put the, the contact info in the show notes. Make sure you reach out to him. If you're needing some help or wanting to explore uh, potentially hiring Greg as, as a coach, like he said, he works with people all over the world, and I can attest to that. So uh, make sure you connect with him, and you can have a discovery call and see if you guys will be a match. And by the way, if you're ever looking to hire a coach or a counselor, that's one of your first lines of measurement. If they want you to pay right away, most of the time don't do it. <laughs> Any good coach or counselor will want to make sure that you are in alignment and that you are a good match for one another. And I know Greg is one of those. I can vouch for him. So uh, thank you for listening to The Mitch Gray Show. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Mitch Gray Media. Also subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts, The Mitch Gray Show. And uh, follow us on social media as well, M. Gray Media in most places. Our website is mitchgraymedia.com, and uh, we will talk to you soon.